We're a little bit surprised in listening to that reading this today that uh, Jesus would say, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. You know, it's kind of hard to imagine Jesus with a sword. I mean, most of the pictures you see of him, he looks like a kindly shepherd, got a staff, which you might say, well, he would never use that on people. He would just use that to jerk a sheep back and hook him up that or maybe poke or prod the sheep. But Jesus with a sword in his hand. So we're so used to seeing gentle Jesus, meek and mild, you know, uh, that as we sing even at Christmas time. We have a hard time of Jesus being almost a man. That's almost the way, uh, this makes him sound too much like a human being. He sounds violent. He sounds kind of extreme. And frankly, he sounds a little bit dangerous. Jesus with a sword. Now the question is, why would Jesus carry a sword? Well, the answer is pretty simple. He carries a sword so he can divide humanity. Now which humanity are we talking about? Well, this humanity. In fact, all of humanity. See, he wants to make clear who is on his side and who isn't. He wants the world to know who's on Team Jesus and who isn't. And it's obvious today that there are some people who might be wearing the jersey, but they're really not on the team. If we could back up a few weeks into the NFL season on a Sunday morning when the Kansas City Chiefs were going to play, it's not unusual to look out at a lot of churches and see a lot of people wearing Kansas City Chiefs gear But then afterwards, they'll say the next day, uh, how many home runs were hit in that game yesterday? They have no idea who they're even rooting for. They just kind of like to wear the jersey at that time. And so Jesus carries that sword so he can divide humanity. And uh, it's pretty obvious today that some people, like I said, they wear the jersey, but they're not really on the team. But the time is rapidly approaching, if it's not already, when we're going to all have to learn to take a stand, even a firmer stand than we have in the past. I mean, today's scripture reading, as I go back through it, uh, forces us to think whether or not we want to be on the Lord's team when the going gets tough. Now, for the most part, the going is not really tough in the United States yet, but there are glimpses of it. There are patterns of it. If you stand up for Jesus you're going to find out where the trouble comes from. If you see, if you remember that reading for today, you're going to see three great movements. It's a confession, and that confession leads to a division, and that division leads to a decision. Now, it's, it's as if Jesus is asking each of us today, how far are you willing to go with me? How far? Well, let's take a look, first of all, at the confession. Let me read these words again. Jesus said, Therefore, everyone who will acknowledge me before men, I'll also acknowledge him before my Father. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. That's pretty clear, isn't it? And we need to take this literally. Jesus was not making things up here. Jesus means we either confess him before other people, I mean, to identify ourselves as Christians, or we just deny him. Now, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who actually gave up his life for the defense of the gospel during World War II, 
said, silence in the face of evil is evil. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. Now, sadly, this indictment, I think, is deserved. Jesus said his followers would be persecuted for their faith. And we see what's happening today around this world, where Christians are dying for the sake of the gospel. Now, all of us, I think, at one time or another have been asked or thought about, how would we respond if our faith were truly be put to the test? Would we have the courage of our convictions or would we give in to save our life? And I'm not sure if you're familiar with The Voice of the Martyrs. It's a magazine I get regularly. It tells me what's going on in this world in the Christian church. And in a recent issue, a Christian father in Iraq was told by ISIS, say the words of converting to Islam or we will kill all your children. How would you respond to that? What do you do then? Well, in this article, under extreme pressure, the man caved in and said the words of conversion to Islam, but he didn't mean it. He only did it to save his children. Now, later, ashamed of what he did in this article, it said, does this mean that Yeshua, Jesus, doesn't love me anymore? I said those words because I couldn't see my children being killed. Now, that sort of question makes you stop and think. But before you condemn this man, consider how far you would go to save your children. Nancy and I have two children. We have one grandson. We have one daughter-in-law. How far would we go to protect them, to save them? Now, it's kind of good for us to hear these stories so we'll know what's happening to our brothers and sisters around the world And even here at home, there are people who are being forced to take a stand, whether they are believers or unbelievers. It also helps us prepare for what we here in the West may face sooner than later. But here's the best way to be ready, to confess Jesus every day right now. But know this, that confession can lead to a division. Remember Jesus' words, don't assume that I came to bring peace on this earth. I did not come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. See, that Jesus is really the great divider of humanity. Now, there are a lot of people who would like to have a non-controversial Jesus. I'm not sure what a non-controversial Jesus would really look like. Uh, You'd have to look somewhere other than the Bible to find a non-controversial Jesus. I mean, the gentle Jesus who smiles and has little kiddos on his lap and, you know, suffer the little children to come unto me. Uh, and makes everybody feel happy, clappy, in a way bears no resemblance to the mighty Son of God who comes to bring a sword of judgment. Does he bring peace? Yeah, he does bring peace. And the peace that he will bring one day is going to cover the entire world. You know, peace I give you, peace I leave with you. I think of people in persecuted countries who when they found out that Jesus was there, that Jesus loved them, suddenly found peace in the midst of turmoil. Jesus is also the great divider of humanity. He's going to divide us. Which side are you on? Now, that day is not yet today. And to quote a line from a famous gospel song, this day the noise of battle, the next the victor's song. See, today we fight. 
And we, as Restore, are right in the middle of a so-called battlefield. We're here to fight. We're not here to play games. We're not here to do happy clappy. It doesn't mean we can't have fun. It doesn't mean we can't smile. It doesn't mean we can't rejoice, as we sang before, in the name of the Lord, knowing the Lord is with us. We ought to be happy in Jesus. But we also need to know that we're in the middle of a battle. It's, we need to talk, put on that full armor of God. I remember giving my grandson a T-shirt a long time ago, and on the front it said, Don't fight naked. And on the back it said, Put on the full armor of God. We need to do that. You know, today we pick up our sword and we enter the battle. And today we stand up for Jesus, knowing that not everybody will cheer us when we do. So there's really no time for what we call sunshine soldiers or lazy boy Christianity. It's all hands on deck, man the battle stations, prepare for war. Uh, Somewhere I read, well-behaved Christians rarely change the world. Are you a radical Christian? Are you willing to change the world around you? But don't be surprised. And I don't think any of you would be. Maybe this has already happened to you. Don't be surprised if your friends oppose you or your family members make fun of you. Uh, Jesus said it would be this way. See, the truth about Jesus, you know, if you think this sort, it cuts both ways. One brother in the family believes. The other brother rejects the belief. A father follows Jesus. The wife wants nothing to do with him. And sometimes the other way around. I mean, you've got twin sisters who part their way over the gospel or close friends or relatives uh, will not understand why we believe in Jesus or if we do believe in Jesus, why are we so crazy about Jesus? And some people will be openly hostile. You ever had that happen to you where you actually brought Jesus up and people looked at you like, man, what's wrong with you? I've had people who didn't want to talk to me. I, I mentioned something about Jesus. Oh, you're one of those. Uh, I could say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to offend you. Is there something I could tell you that would be really nice? I just say, well, sorry. This is just who I am. See, converts from Islam and Hinduism often experience this truth in very personal terms. Following Jesus does not make you popular in certain parts of this world. So there is a division that leads to a decision. And the decision here, let me read it again from 37 to 39. The person who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. The person who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Anyone finding his life will lose it. And anyone losing his life because of me will find it. That's pretty tough stuff, isn't it? You must love me more than you love your parents. You must love me more than you love your children. You must take up your cross and follow me. Uh, You can lose your life or you can find your life. So the question is, which is it going to be? And let's be honest, in many ways, it's really kind of hard to understand these verses. I know a lot of pastors, believe it or not, who would never preach on these verses because this is pretty controversial stuff. I mean, nobody wants to come to church and hear that you may need to make choices. It's Jesus or this. If you love your parents, well, they're hard to understand. If you love your children, they're even harder. Perhaps the best way to think about this is to concentrate on the last part about saving or losing your life. Now, if you go a little bit further in the Bible, in James chapter 4, 14, it says, what is your life? What is your life? 
for you are a mist, you know, like the morning fog we see here in the, in the hills. It appears for a little while and then vanishes. We're kind of like vapor on um, a window during winter. Now, I don't know if we could do it today. You could probably walk over to those glass doors and you do this. You blow on that window and what does it do? It leaves a little fog. Now, growing up in the cold weather in Nebraska, uh, I remember the window outside of my room. I used to sleep on a porch on a rollaway bed uh, for a while. Uh, but I like to get up and I like to blow on the window and I like to try to write my name on there. And I generally could get as far as Barry. I could never get to the last name. And it would just disappear. Life is kind of like that as well. Psalm 90. And I encourage you to take a look at that sometime today. It kind of reminds us that we're kind of like grass on the prairie. Here today, gone very quickly. In the morning it flourishes, Psalm 90 says, and, it's, and it is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. And we're not really here very long anyway. We're here for a while. We go away. How many of you know who Charles Barkley is? <laughs> uh, some people don't really like him. Chuck, he's really pretty funny. Uh, he's a, professional, a former professional basketball player, commentator, whatever. And I like what he says about aging athletes. He said... Father time is undefeated. And that's true. Uh, no one stays in their prime forever. Or I'm going to read you a Facebook quote. I apologize for reading a Facebook quote. Somebody wrote this not long ago. On, the long en- on a long enough timeline, the survival rate for everyone drops to zero. Or one more, maybe from George Bernard Shaw, who is considered to be a humorist. He said, the statistics on death are quite impressive. One out of one people die. Now, Hebrews 9.27 puts this a little bit more starkly. It says, it is appointed unto man, and that would be woman as well, once to die. Now, that may seem like a real downer to some people, but uh, I'm just telling you, it's just sober reality. In April, I'm going to be gone one weekend to do a funeral, the funeral of my wife's uh, older brother. And he'll be back in a cemetery where I uh, officiated funerals for quite a number of people when I pass through the church there at Trinity. And I know that as I walk through the cemetery and look, you all see the same thing. You, you see the person's name. It's going to say Norman R. Miller. That's what it's going to say on the tombstone. But it's also going to have the date of his birth, and it will have the date of his passing. But there is something else that's on there. There's a little dash between those two things. Born dash date of death I want you to think about that dash for a moment in your life because we're kind of somewhere in between that whether you're I don't know what the youngest one right there Adeline, we're paddling Madeline here today <laughs> whether we're Adeline or whether uh, I'm, I may be the oldest guy here <laughs> yeah don't put my wife's point on yeah you uh, I'll admit I'm 77 how old are you Adeline? 8 we're here between the ages of 8 and 77. Yikes. But whether you are 30 or 40 or 50 or 70, or like my mother-in-law who's 99 heading to 100 sometime this summer, you've lived a life that's full of laughter. You've lived lives of hard work. You've had, you had a life full of tears. You had traveling. You had moving. Uh, you had getting married, you 
had children, you raised families, you built your career, you started new jobs, you you build up your nest egg for retirement, and then they call you out of retirement, and then one day death comes knocking at the door. What do you have to show for all of those years? Well, it's right there in that dash. There it is. It covers your entire life. Born, died, what about the middle? What are you doing with the dash between the ages of 8 and 77 or 107? Perhaps it's enough to know that the call of Jesus is the same for all of us. Jesus calls from the cross and says, come to the cross. Some of you may have sung this old song. It goes this way. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back. No turning back. I'm walking toward the cross. You know who knows that better than we do sometimes? They're called ISIS. ISIS. That's why they call Christians people of the what? Cross. ISIS calls us people of the cross. That's why they have actually crucified some of their victims. They understand that following Jesus always leads somehow to a cross. That's why Jesus said if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it in the end. But if you lose your life for Jesus' sake, in the end you'll actually save it. So is it worth it to follow Jesus? Is it worth it to be a part of a community that desires to help other people find Jesus? Well, you have to kind of make up your own mind. I'm actually going to quote Martin Luther this morning. We'll have to save this song for Reformation, Joel. Let kindreds, let goods and kindreds go, this mortal life also. This, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. So when we look, we have many reasons not to be discouraged. We're, just, we're still in this last, what, two years of COVID stuff. We have sat in our recliners and on our couches and watched church from a long distance. We have fussed and we have fumed over masks and inoculations and booster shots and masks and in and out and school and no school and virtual school and real school and virtual church and all this kind of nonsense. And piled on top of that, what now what do we have? We have presidents in conflict. We've got countries in conflict. We've got people burning down buildings. We've got people rioting in the streets. We have people saying all kinds of things that we just kind of stand there and don't know quite what to do. When what we need to do is to take a stand and turn to the Lord. See, if we are people of the Bible... If we are truly Christ followers, we really have no reason to despair. I'm not saying we don't from time to time. We all do. But we really don't have a reason for it. There is no Supreme Court decision that can put Jesus back in the grave. They can pass it, but he's not going back in the grave. No terrorist attack can ever reverse the resurrection. They can burn our churches. They can bomb our churches. They could paint swastikas on our churches. They could burn a cross out in front of the churches. 
but they cannot destroy the gospel of Jesus Christ. You remember that church was actually born on the wrong side of history. We've been on the wrong side of history ever since Rome, and it was enough to turn the world upside down. When everything else was going the wrong way, guess what? Jesus came into the world, and suddenly everything changed. Now, we are not the first generation of Christians to find ourselves kind of unpopular. And if we're really honest, we're not really all that bad off. And if you don't believe me, talk to our brothers and sisters in Somalia. Talk to our brothers and sisters in Saudi Arabia. I've been on the board for Christ for India for a long time. Talk to our brothers and sisters who live in India today who are suffering. Talk to the people in the Middle East. Talk to them at other places. And we discover people who are being eradicated in the Middle East. In China, there's the Chinese. Whether the people of the Olympics liked it or not, we're still slaughtering the Uyghur people all the way through the winter games, so to speak. And today, what do we have? We have a battle in the Ukraine in a country that is predominantly Christian. See, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. No one ever said it would be easy. Following Jesus isn't always fun and games, happy clappy. Uh, Sometimes the path seems steep and hard and dangerous, but Jesus still says, follow me, follow me. So the question is, how far are you willing to go with Jesus? What answer will you give? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, may we never be ashamed to follow you, even when the road leads to a cross. It's in your name we pray. Amen.